You're listening to the Mormon Artist Podcast, a podcast covering the world of Mormon arts and examining the intersection between faith and creativity. For more Mormon arts news and interviews, please visit mormonartist.net. My head though goes with the blackbird song I move. I must move on. Welcome to the Mormon Artist Podcast. Today we're speaking with Scott Jarvie. Hi, Scott. Hello, that's me. Scott Jarvie has been a full-time photographer since 2008. He's traveled all around the world shooting weddings and also doing travel photography and some portraiture. He grew up in San Diego and he's currently working on a Faith in America project where he's been traveling around all 50 states in the United States to photograph LDS temples as well as other religious buildings. So, Scott, um, where are you right now? I am in Delaware. By the way, this is the 50th state. So I've been on the road for 13 months for this project, and you are you got a hold of me right at the end, right <laughs> at the 50th state. I'm not completely done, but here we are at the 50th state. Okay, that's awesome. So where in Delaware are you? I mean, tell me what I'm, your immediate well, surroundings are. Bit, okay, hey, yeah, so that's a fun question. I am in my favorite type of country or area, you know, and, and that is Amish country. And you didn't know, I didn't really know too much about the Delaware Amish. I always think of Lancaster, Pennsylvania or Ohio mm-hmm. or even Indiana or even Wisconsin. But here we are. And I've, uh, I'm living in an airstream, so I'm parked outside of a friend's house, and, and every once in a while, I'll hear the, the hooves of, uh, of an Amish, Amish carriage going to its next location, going huh. home after the workday or something to that effect. That sounds very rustic. Yeah, it's pretty neat. And fall is finally uh, happening around in these parts, so it's been nice. Mm-hmm. That sounds gorgeous. So speaking of your rustic environment. Um, You have been traveling around in a 1963 Airstream trailer. What is that? Well, okay, so you got trailer. You know, you you hear the word trailer and you you hear the word RV and stuff like that. Well, Airstreams are the only thing that you're really supposed to... You don't call them RVs or trailer. You call them Airstreams. Okay. They're like these... They're the... I don't know, the Cadillac of the trailer world. They're the, (laughs) you know, when I pull up to a gas station, someone inevitably asks me, hey, what year is that? Oh, man, that's nice, you know. (laughs) But as a photographer, I needed something light because I don't have, well, that's not the photographer part. I needed something photogenic that I could take pictures of. And I needed something light because I don't have a truck. I just have my my Toyota Venza, which is still a V6, but it's a small little trailer. It's an air, it's 18 feet. So cool. So been you, nice. you've been living in this trailer for the past 13 months. Yes. Well, one month I took off to do like, you know, Hawaii and Alaska. And I also had a photo shoot in London. So and the I trailer, took... the trailer didn't go with you to Hawaii. No, or Alaska, or Alaska. <laughs> okay. okay, so talk to me about these two books that you're doing. Okay, yeah. So 
there's two books. When I first got, I guess you could say, the inspiration to do the book, it was to, well, I was already starting to put my temple pictures into this, into bookstores like, well, LDSbookstore.com and on at Deseret Book. Uh-huh. Uh, they were there as well. And so when I was trying to figure out last year what I was going to do coming up, it's like, you know, you have those moments when you're like, everything's good, but I need to do something more. I need to, I need to step it up. Mm-hmm. And I had three options, and I prayed about it, and the answer was option four. <laughs> do we get, do we get like, to know what the other options were? <laughs> the other options? Other very large projects that I, I wanted, I still want to do, and I'm hoping that, you know, they're next now that this project is done. But, you know, you're going to have to tune in later because... So, stay tuned, okay. okay. So the idea first was to do a book of... LDS temples. And uh, I figured if I could get some funding on Kickstarter by pre-selling, you know, by offering some of these books Mm -hmm. that I could get um, some money to be able to afford to live on the road for a year and uh, not, you know, I'd have to not do as many weddings or kind of leave those behind for a year. However, it, it, it became a much bigger project where I was going to go to all 50 states and photograph all uh, all different religious buildings of all different religions in all 50 states. And I've done that. And so there's two books. Well, the one book is at the printer, and the next book I'll be spending a couple of months going through, sifting through 200,000 pictures to find the best ones to put in there and getting some writings to get in there as well. Wow. So the one at the printer, that's the Temple's book? Is that correct? Yes. American Temples of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Okay. It's at the printer. So when is it It released? is at the printer. And uh, we have a date of, they told me, they promised me that it would be printed by the 18th of November and shipped to me so that I would have them in plenty of time before Thanksgiving. As you know, that's kind of a popular, the day after is somewhat popular day to start your Christmas shopping. Yes. And this really is kind of like a Christmas type gift I've seen. I've seen people pre-ordering them and, and getting like five or six books at a time. Mm-hmm. Well, a lot of people just get one, but, I, you know, so it's important that I get it by that date. So I'm pretty excited. And I've been working on that a lot in the last couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. It turns out it's not an easy thing making a book. Turns out. So... What are some of the challenges of making a book? Uh, well, some of the challenges are just that, you know, the margins all have to be perfect and correct. I mean, we're talking besides all of the content, all the pictures are in there. You know, I spent some time uh, selecting. I had a, I hired a designer, someone to research and get some stories in there and lay it all out. But then we you know, moving pictures around and all that stuff. But even after that, going through again and again and again, proof after proof and just like, mm-hmm. oh, here's a little mistake and here's a little mistake and here's a little mistake. And, you know, you know, five or six editions later, we're still, you know, me and several other people with more of an eye for scrutiny, I guess. Proofreading, yeah. Proofreading. And so we hired a a copy editor, but there's still even more stuff like that, little lines that need to go here and mm-hmm. 
the spaces here and you know design and style just so yeah there's that yeah I, mean, I was it... just i just wanted to you know i just want to take really cool pictures because <laughs> that's what i'm good at but now i'm having to figure out how to be good at making books so <laughs> yeah well i've done i've done some editing and gosh i mean you think <laughs> that you're done that every yeah. you know double the is corrected and every line break is beautiful and then you get the next the next print and on the first page you see a typo that you didn't see before something and then you so. find out that not everyone's computer is as fast as yours and it takes them like five or six hours to re-render a pdf because the book is quite large it's uh, about 280 pages Oh, okay. not just about. It is 280 pages. So about how many photos of LDS temples are in it? Oh, good question. We'll have to count those up. Well, <laughs> there's, there's several. Gotcha. There's, there's more than one per page. So okay, I'm gonna, yeah, maybe an average of two, but probably not quite that many. So we're talking at least 500 pictures in there. Okay, wow. And so, how many temples is that? There's 70 temples in the United States. There in the appendix. There's some. Uh, I added some Canadian ones, and I actually put in Payson just for just for fun because I had some really good pictures of it, even though it's not done. Okay, so talk to me about photographing temples. That's a lot of temples. A lot of them look kind of similar. So how do you approach that kind mm -hmm. of a project when you're photographing? In some ways, the same building over and over again. I realize they're all unique and special in their own ways, but it seems like it could it could get repetitive after a while. So how do you approach that kind of a project? Well, and it's not just the, the fact that I'm photographing temples all the time. I'm photographing just religious buildings nonstop every day for over 300 days. And, um, uh, and when I'm done with this, I'm going to take a break from buildings because it is so... It's, it is a little repetitive. There are uh -huh. days when I'm thinking, wow, you know, this isn't the, that super glorious stuff when you're like, I'm going to go to Iceland and photograph waterfalls and happy things and travel around the world and take pictures of the most amazing scenes in the world. Sometimes I'm taking pictures of very mundane buildings. Mm -hmm. And so I just, it, for me, though, I appreciate the fact that I'm doing uh I'm doing a project that will benefit people's life and that will add to the dialogue of faith and that will kind of help people out maybe a little bit more spiritually and not just taking pictures of beautiful things all day long. And when I do get in those moods where it is feeling a little overwhelming, the answer is sleep. <laughs> <laughs> I go to bed and I wake up refreshed and I'm like, let's go for it. Let's do this. It's It's been more of a character building type project where um, it's just like I said I was going to do this thing. I'm going to do it. And I just don't worry about it. You know, I just keep the eye on the prize, keep working hard and stop worrying about those difficulties. And if I, you know, if I do get overwhelmed, I I take a nap. I like it. Okay, so that's that's kind of 
how you approach it philosophically, keep the grand vision in mind. As a photographer, how do you approach it? Oh, well, um, I, I pull out my wide angle lenses <laughs> and I walk around the building if it's possible. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, I've taken, I think at this point in my life, well over a million pictures. And so a lot of that has to do with experience that I just, I, when I see something, I, I know how to approach it to make something look beautiful. And then I also try a few different new things on each different building. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. And uh, especially with the temples, I'm usually there at sunrise or sunset. And I will walk around first while it's while before the light gets good. And then by the time I'm done and ready to go, you know, do another lap around the building, the light is perfect. So it's go time. And sometimes I have to run. It's like, okay, now that it's the perfect light, I have to get everything I just did in 30 minutes in like these next three minutes or oh, next wow. five. Sounds exciting. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what kinds of buildings have you taken pictures of aside from the LDS temples? I, I would like to think that I've photographed every different type of religion, but I know that there's a few that I probably have not gotten. Uh, so we, we're talking, you know, the big... Catholic cathedrals and the the small community churches, even even like some strip mall churches where all you really are taking picture of is the front door with the sign. Mm-hmm. You know, it's next to a who knows next to a subway or something. But uh, other ones are like a lot of countryside churches, a lot of Lutheran church because some of my favorite ones are these Lutheran churches in the middle of nowhere in like North Dakota. They were great. Just, just in the middle, you couldn't even see a house from them. And you're like, what are they doing here? And they're old from the late 1800s, just small, very manageable sized buildings. You don't really need, you know, a walk around them will take a minute. <laughs> mm-hmm. So that's neat. So, um, you talked about funding this project. How have you gone about doing that? So I funded the project by by giving rewards to people that uh, used Kickstarter to fund me. So I said, I know that this project will probably cost, you know, to live on the road and to pay for the gas and to pay for the book printing and and stuff like that it would probably cost about a hundred hundred ten thousand mm-hmm. uh, for that year. But if I raise about seventy thousand on Kickstarter, then I'm willing to do it, and I'll figure out the rest. So, and that's about what happened. It's cost about that much, and I raised seventy thousand on the last the last day. Actually, it was down to the wire. Actually, wow. everyone ninety nine point nine. Well, even myself was like, okay, it's not going to happen. I'll figure out a way though. Mm-hmm. And last moment. You know, it came through. Kind of a miraculous story for another day. It's actually going to be in the forward of the book. But I actually, you know, I've loaned the project, I guess, you know, the rest of the money from the book sales, though. That will will come back. So I have no 
no worries about that happening. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so on your Kickstarter, was it mainly pre-orders of the books that you offered or were, were there some other things that you offered? Uh, well, the books, calendar. So okay. uh, we did a calendar. There's a there's actually an LDS temple calendar that's already done in, in bookstores around the country. Oh, so, okay. A lot of desert books and online on my on my website and everything. So uh, those are the books and uh, screensaver packs and what else did I do? Uh, a couple of workshop opportunities, one on one type, you know tutorials type thing and and I think a lot of it was you know there's a lot of people that got multiple books or they bought both of them the temple book and mm-hmm. the faith book okay cool so I've noticed that you have a presence on a lot of social media yes. in addition to your website jarvydigital.com um, you've got an Instagram you've recently been putting up I think you said you have 20 days worth of video blogs. I was just looking at some of those um, on YouTube. And you, yeah. have, you have a blog and um, yes. you're on Twitter. I'm everywhere. So. <laughs> <laughs> you just go to the website that it is and put slash Jarvie, my last name, J-A-R-V-I-E. <laughs> you just put that at the end of some social media thing and you'll probably find me there. <laughs> so... Um, and I, I know you do this because you you have a lot of fans, people who are interested in your work. Um, so how do you manage all of those social sites? What have you found to be useful? How do you use them? Wow, yeah. There's, there's a ton, isn't there? Mm-hmm. Uh, like today I took pictures from a wedding that I did in San Francisco on Saturday. And I I picked about two or three different pictures and... Um, I edited them because I'm going to have to edit them anyways to give to the client. So I picked, you know, there's three or four different pictures. And I and I went and dropped them on each one of the sites. And the text maybe is the same, maybe is the same, but the picture was different on each one of them so that they don't feel like they're just getting duplicates so that they feel like there is some value to following me in these different places. So, so it didn't take me too long. Well, the editing does, but I, like I said, I had to do it anyways. Mm-hmm. The posting doesn't take very long. Just, uh, you know, I have some shortcuts and I just go to them and I'm like, okay, drop it into, I put it into Facebook, I put it into Google Plus, I put one into Instagram, and I put one into a new site called Ello. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then, yeah, so that was fun. And then I took one of the pictures and it's as the thumbnail of that daily video from when I did the wedding. So all sorts of different sites, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. That's interesting. Um, so you have recently, uh, started using Patreon. What is that? So yeah, if you're, uh, your audience, you know, we're talking about Mormon artists. So I'm going to guess that there are Mormon artists out there doing cool things. Patreon is for, is like Kickstarter. You know, Kickstarter helped me create uh, to do this one big project, this one-time thing. Now, I do daily stuff. I post stuff daily and I do these daily videos and I have uh, ongoing, like I have lots of different projects 
coming up. So I decided to use Patreon, which is a crowdfunding for consistent content creators. Um, people, you know, people like yourself that are are creating content that people are appreciating. People right now are listening to your podcast and finding some value in it. Maybe mm-hmm. people are watching my daily videos and have watched 30, you know, every day they maybe watch. You know, there are quite a few people that will watch my video each day and to them that may provide some sort of value that they go, you know what? We appreciate it. Keep doing it. Here's a dollar or here's two or five. Mm-hmm. And and it's the crowdfunding mentality where five dollars may not do too much for you. But if you do it for 200 or 500 or a thousand different fans are are that committed and loyal, uh, then it will make a big impact. And you're able to increase the quality of your creations or increase, increase the frequency and the ability that uh, – the, the more time that you'll be able to have to work on those projects for people mm-hmm. and keep creating. So as you've been traveling around the United States, have you been able to meet some of your fans? Yeah. So I've, I've been traveling for 13 months, but I just started using Patreon. And, and I noticed in this first 12 months that I, there was a lot of people that I met with that that they said that you know they were big fans they've been longtime fans and loved what I did and I was like oh that's just a nice thing to say but then I realized they weren't kidding they really had been viewing all the posts and that's great because I put them out there to be viewed but I had no clue who they were mm-hmm. you know and up until that point when I came into their town and they're like oh that was the very first time that they'd ever said anything and so I I wanted to have better connections with people. And so now in this last month, that's been really good because now I've met with them, I've had dinner, I'm doing this series of pictures of port of patrons, and um, so they're scattered all around the country, maybe even around the world, uh, and it's I'm trying to kind of group them together and get to know them a little bit better, and you know maybe bring a few of them out of the shadows so that I know who they are. Maybe they're watching this right now. I'm going to share it on my social media and maybe they're going to go and watch the the interview and go, oh, I'm that person he's talking about. And then and we'll have some sort of like more valuable to the both of us kind of connection. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I think uh, that that resource specifically that Patreon provides does even better because uh, there's this added connection when you say hey I'm his patron or something to that effect but it doesn't (laughs) matter I mean a fan's a fan they don't Mm -hmm. have to be patron but I just wanted to make better connections and I think that's the answer to your question right yeah it is that's that's really neat so you've been taking pictures of some of your some of these people who have um, been contributing to your patreon yep yeah I, I you know I've been having a lot of fun just kind of just getting a small, powerful group of, of people together. You know, I, I don't get me wrong. I love having, you know, whatever, 200,000 people on, on some of these social networks and the number is really cool and it does open some doors, which is the more important thing. It allows me to do more cool projects to have those large numbers. But the real power comes in 
a really strong connection with your loyal supporting fans, the people that will, when you say, hey, I need help with this, they're the ones that actually do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you can have 100,000 people, but how many of those people are actually going to help you live your dreams, help you do your your dream projects, your your things that will make you and others happy? Yeah, that sounds really neat. I think a lot of artists probably never... I'm sure a lot of artists do meet some of their fans, but some probably don't, at least not in that that way where you're actually taking pictures of them. I feel like you would there would be a very mutual appreciation that would grow from that. Yeah. Well, I'm hoping I'm hoping so and it's looking that way so far after a month. Mhm. Okay, so you've been traveling 13 months taking pictures of religious edifices. So what yeah. do you have to say about religious edifices? Whew. In the United they States. They come in all shapes and sizes <laughs> and colors and locations. It's just so widely diverse. And I think that America gets a bad rap when you compare it to European religious buildings. Um, when we're like, oh, you need to go to Europe because that's where all the beautiful ones are. You mm-hmm. know, the United States doesn't have them. But when you go around the United States, it's a big place. They are there. They are beautiful, and they're maybe they're not as old. Yes, we get that. And there's not as many built with stone. Yes, we get that. Um, but they are so diverse, and they're more diverse than anything that you get in Europe, that's for sure. And there are the big, beautiful ones, just like anywhere else in the world. Um, just that they're not in every single city. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And there are plenty of cities that they just start to look alike. Um, and there are certain sections of the country where there are maybe more photogenic ones than the others. So, mm-hmm. but, but there's certainly a lot and they're diverse and they, lots of different religions here in the United States, that is. Mm-hmm. And some of them are in the middle of North Dakota. Some of them are... <laughs> A miles away from the nearest house in North Dakota. Okay, um, my last question is, Scott, you must have so many stories from your 13 months of traveling. Um, so tell us a story. Tell a story. Okay, this is a story I tell a lot because it's so vivid in my mind because it was at the beginning of my trip where everything was fresh and I was, you know, learning how to travel across country while taking pictures and getting up super early and staying up late and driving and driving and going. And I had been driving most of the day through Wyoming and and Omaha or Nebraska, I should say. And I didn't get very far as far as I thought I was going to get. I was trying to get to Winter Quarters Temple. That did not happen. So I pulled off of the freeway around sunset and I said, I don't know where I'm at, but sunset's about to happen and I got to take some good pictures. So whatever town I end up in here, wherever this is, I'm going to have to take some pictures here. And it didn't look promising. The town had like one church, I think, or two churches in it. Uh, 
okay, where's the next town? Oh, wait, it's 30 minutes away. Dang it. <laughs> <laughs> so I parked at a gas station and started to fill up gas, and a guy with a purple mohawk pulled up next to me and said, what year is that Airstream? And I loved it. And he's like, what you doing? And I told him about the project. And he's like, oh, you need to go into Omaha. Cause, and I was like, well, yeah, what could, sunset's happening now. And he's like, okay, well, you need to go over to the next city. And I'm like, well, you know, I still can't make it there. And he's like, well, there's this really old, cool church. And I was like, well, how far is he? He's like, well, it's still this, you know, 20 minutes away. And I was like, well, can't do that either. He's like, well, here in town, there's two churches. <laughs> <laughs> like, I saw that. He's like, well, I know one of the ladies. Tell her I told, I sent you. And I went over there, had a great conversation with her, took pictures. A lightning storm started to roll in. And I was trying to get some pictures of it. But then I decided... It's so far away, I got to get going. But I was like, well, maybe I'll go try out this old church in the middle of nowhere that he told me about in Nebraska. And I went over there, and he was right. I think the town had like four houses, five houses. Hmm. It was pitch dark everywhere. And I pulled, I couldn't even see the church at all. But I pulled into what I thought was the driveway of it. And luckily it was, got out, and I was like, where is this church? And it was so dark that I couldn't even see it. It was like 50 feet away, you know, like, well, 100 feet away. I set up my tripod and ran back into the car. I set it up to take pictures every 30 seconds and ran back to the car because it was in the middle of a cemetery with an oncoming lightning storm, pitch dark, <laughs> nowhere, and I was a little freaked out. <laughs> but it's still one of the most vividly memorable experiences of the trip because when that lightning storm rolled in and lit all the cloud it wasn't one of those lightning storms where the lightning was coming down it was all cloud lightning mm -hmm. and it would light up the sky and there would be one after one after another after another after another just you know maybe during a 30 second picture there'd probably be about 10 different lightning lightning things going off you don't call them strikes i guess because they don't strike anything and the pictures that came from it were just amazing. It looked like it was all, everything was lit up. You know, from being pitch dark, it was amazing because just everything was lit up. And it was lit up with these crazy pinks and purples. Wow. Not sure why, I don't know, lightning has that effect in pictures. But still pretty impressive pictures, which definitely help the story, definitely make the story all that more important or maybe the story makes the pictures all that more exciting and so i'm assuming those pictures are in your they'll be in, in the book, book that's for yeah. sure <laughs> okay well i'm yeah. excited to see them they're they're here and there they're on i put them on facebook i put them on instagram but uh, where to where to look i'm not sure they'd have to go back a few months or uh, go on Jarvie Digital, I guess. Or you'll provide a link. <laughs> <laughs> you'll have to send it to know. me. You'll have to send it to me. I'll include it in the show notes. Okay. Okay. Well, Scott, thank you so much for joining us. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Thanks. I I look forward to uh, listening to more of these Mormon artist podcasts. I certainly have plenty of time while in the car to listen to some podcasts. I do already. So I'm looking forward to this. Keep it keep up the good work. Okay, we'll do it. All right. With the tools of the first
Thank you for listening to the Mormon Artist Podcast. For more episodes, please visit mormonartist.net. Music for this podcast was adapted from Blackberry's Hedge by Secret Jane. Copyrighted under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 3.0 United States License. <laughs>